Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk 087 106 is our WhatsApp number. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Good afternoon, Good Joanna. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, here's her first question. My teenage daughter is a closed book. When she comes in from school, she doesn't talk about her day, her friends, if she has any boyfriends, what teachers she likes or doesn't like, nothing. She's always been quiet, but I feel as she's gotten older, she's got worse. I spoke to her principal and he told me she's getting on well in school and not too worried that she's just developing a personality which is private. I don't mind that, but I would really like her to be able to talk about some stuff. There isn't one issue that has arisen that has led to my concern. I'm just conscious that because she's so closed now that she won't be able to reach out when she has a bigger problem. Oh, this so, I mean... I, this is very relatable, I think, because you're kind of saying, look, there isn't a problem, but maybe that's a problem because I don't actually know if there's a problem. <laughs> yes. You know, and lots of people are going, look at if she's grand, she's grand. But I understand this because sometimes we're not so much worried about our teens as we are just saying, I miss a close connection. I want to know more. Yeah, I want yeah. to be more in your life. And I think that in lots of ways, what the principal said to you is right. And it's certainly in the arena of right. OK, privacy is one of the adjustments of adolescence. You know, they want, uh, you know, more privacy from us. So naturally, we want to know more <laughs> about what's going on. Why are you being secretive? But also, you know, she's coming across, you're saying she's always been quiet. I would say she's shy. Yeah, you could, yeah. you, it sounds to me like you're describing a happy or at least content, well-functioning, albeit shy, introverted mm, young yeah. woman. And there's nothing wrong with shyness or introversion. Absolutely nothing. But I'm wondering how you model with her sharing your life. Like, do you ever say to her, go, oh, wait till I tell you about my day. You won't believe what happened. Instead of saying, you're not telling me anything. What's the exchange here? And I wonder if you lead by example and she might give you that look of, I don't know why you're telling me all this yeah, unsolicited yeah. information, but you're just modelling that sharing piece. And, you know, even saying to her, you know, can we go for a coffee? Can we go for a walk? Just would you like to come out for a walk with me? Something like, and she might say no, and that's okay. <laughs> she might say, what's wrong with you? But she also, she also <laughs> weird, might Dad. say yes. Yeah. And it might be the third or fourth time, but she might say, sure, why not? But I'd be keeping the chat casual. Try not to get into you for boyfriend, what's going on in school, who's your favourite teacher, who's, because yeah, she's going yeah. to feel interrogated, but just to be spending time with her. But hold in mind that sitting in the same room, on the same sofa at the same time watching the same TV show, no matter what it is, and don't be critiquing what she's watching. That's spending time together. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. in that nothing, something is happening. Mm. So you don't have to wait for this big thing to be getting to know her and being around her and always making sure you make eye contact with her when you're talking. Smile at her, not in a weird manic way now, but just smile at her to show <laughs> I'm enjoying being with you. But that being with without a demand for conversation can be very reassuring for yeah. teenagers. Yeah. That, all right, you're here. I'm not alone. You're with me, but I'm not being interrogated. And I just, you know, because she sounds introverted, I'm just going to put in your head, you know, does she have friends and interests? There's nothing in here that would say she's lonely or isolated. Yeah, because he, he does mention her friends. Yeah. She doesn't talk about today her friends, which presupposes there are friends. Yeah, like there's nothing to say suggest otherwise. So, you know, if she has friends, if she has some interests, she's doing well at school, she's okay. Mm, and yeah. what's happening here is... You just have to let her know that you'd be interested in learning more about her life because you're interested in her. Yeah. 
And that's really all it is. But just casual chat, letting her know that you love her and that you'd love to know more. And if she's like, no, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the invitation. But no, we just respect that boundary. But the privacy piece is developmentally normal. It's just parentally perplexing. Yeah. Or if they could find something that they were uh, shared interest. interested in. Yeah, uh, that would be uh, that would be ideal. Is it not fair to say this sounds more like the dad's problem than her problem? Ah, She's yeah, getting on fine often. and he has this yeah. imagined idea of what kind of relationship they were going to have. But I have. like the fact that this dad has written in to say, look, I have a teenage daughter. I don't know a lot about what's going on in her life, but I want to know I'm her person. I yeah, want to yeah. know her to know she can come to me. I think that's lovely. Oh, no, And I think it's lovely yeah. that she would know that. Even if she's going, I'm fine, dad. The fact that you would be saying to her, I'm here for you. Anything good, bad, indifferent, everything in between, I'm interested in it because it's you I'm interested in. I am here for you. Even just saying that, not on a daily basis, it'll become a bit tiresome, but letting her know it. I think what this is really about for me is investing in and future-proofing your relationship with your daughter. You want to have a connection with her as she continues to grow and develop into adulthood. I think that's always worth investing in. Yeah. Uh, Someone says, I always found my daughter opened up when we were in the car. Yeah. I think it's something to do with not looking directly at each other. I would offer uh, to, to drop her off or pick her up at times that didn't really suit just so I could have a little check in on her yep. uh, every now and again. Sitting yeah. side by side, it's, yeah. it's much less intimidating and, and it's a short journey, you yeah. know. They do grow out of that, though. Ah, yeah, generally speaking, but she may always lean into keeping her life private. You know, Mm. she might not be someone who naturally shares. So the shared interest is, is that's the golden one. If you can, and it doesn't matter what that is, by the way, if that's a daily wordle activity or watching a particular show or listening to a particular podcast and just being able to talk about it, anything like that is really good. Yeah, Uh, Claire says the same thing. Uh, she's brought up five kids. The car is a great place to catch yeah. up or find out uh, if anything is wrong. Um, yeah, my experience is that they go oh, yeah, through the this privacy is, phase the and, then, and then yeah. you, you can't shut them up. Uh, <laughs> please don't tell me any more about your life. I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> hi there. Our baby has colic. Uh, it's been a very hard slog for my husband and I. We reached out to our GP and although he was helpful or she was helpful, there was very little she could do. Are there any techniques Joanna would recommend that we could try with our baby to help us through this period? I'm conscious of trying stuff that I read on the internet as I'm unsure how tried and tested they are. Also, would you have any techniques that my husband and I could use to help us too? I find myself getting very tense when our baby is in the middle of one of our episodes. This is our first baby, so we don't have the experience that other parents would. It could be your fifth baby. And, Mm, you know, honestly, it would feel and lots of thoughts and empathy to this couple because parenting a baby with colic is extremely stressful because there's every fibre in your being wants to reach out and soothe and comfort. Mm. And it just feels like nothing you do is working. And it's very, very distressing for everyone involved. And I think mostly I'm not going to give you a huge list of things that you can try for colic because that's beyond my skill set, to be honest. But I do think there's things in here that I would say if I'm giving you techniques, they're about how to get you through this, Mm. you know, and I think that's often underestimated. Like, You know, look, colic is one of those things that it's often diagnosed by discovering it's nothing else. Yeah, that's what what I was going to say to you, because it's not clear what, because people will tell you different stories, what causes colic. It's just the baby's unhappy. there is no one categorical proven cause, just as there is no one categorical proven 
cure, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Doctors generally diagnose by what's called like the rule of three. You know, does this baby cry for at least three hours? Has it been going on? Um, three days of the week and I think they're usually about three weeks old. Yeah. This is yeah. very generalised and yeah. definitely there's going to be some of you there furiously texting going, well, that's not my experience <laughs> and that's absolutely valid. Um, the, what they tend to say about colic is it's two to three weeks when it starts. It peaks at eight weeks. It starts decreasing at 12 and it's gone by 16 and I know that mm. is not completely accurate. Yes, but absolutely. That is average yeah. advice. But I do think that, that you're right to be cautious about going online and just following anything you read on the internet. So if you're going online, go to trusted sources. For example, hse.ie has a page under conditions, select colic, or you could just search colic in the search bar and it will come up. And they have a page with suggestions, tips, guidelines, things to try around that. So if you're going online, go there. I honestly, I did a quick Google myself just before coming on about this one, just to see, well, what are the kind of top five things that are across the board? Everywhere you're going to see things like a warm bath. You're going to see things like rubbing their tummy, playing soothing sounds, lashing on a bit of white noise in the background. All of that comes up a lot. And I'm sure you're sitting there going, do that on a nightly, daily basis. Keep doing it. But I would also suggest linking in with your public health nurse if you haven't. And if you have, linking in again, because public health nurses are well experienced in this and they're there to help you through this phase. So definitely link in there. But I would say, and if anyone is listening and you are the friend, family member of somebody who's had or a baby or has a baby currently with colic, be their team because parents of colic babies need a lot of support. And it's hard to ask for support when you're in the trenches with this. But you need it from the PHN, like the public health nurse, as I said, but family and friends. Like if you if you're listening and you know someone who has a colicky baby, drop a lasagna around. Like, don't wait to be asked. Yeah. They need that because no mm. they don't have time to cook. They're sitting under a screaming baby. Yeah. Go in and hold the screaming baby or offer to take the screaming baby for a walk so somebody can have a shower, a hot meal, a hot drink. Just have a moment for themselves. Stick a load of washing on. Be the practical person you would need mm. if this yeah. was you. Yeah. Because I really think that, and again, it, for the person who wrote this in, if people are saying, oh, you poor thing, is there anything I can do? Be prepared yes, to tell say, them. Yes, yeah. there is. Here's three things you can do. Select from this pre-prepared list I have <laughs> of things I need to be done. This is exactly where that phrase, you know, it takes a village comes in. It yeah. takes a community. So I think tagging each other in, by the way, if you can do between the two of you, you're saying, you know, you're both getting, of course, you are exhausted because it's wearing you down, getting you both tense. That when you get to that breaking point, you're saying, hey, I'm at a two out of 10 here. And the other person's going, well, I'm sitting at a six. I can take this for a while until you get back up to at least a four or five and tag each other in. That's how you're going to get through this. It will pass. But I think that's awfully patronizing advice to give someone who's in the middle of this. You know, it'll pass. Don't worry. Actually, it is extremely (laughs) difficult when you're in it. So pull in any and all help you can. And just be really kind to yourselves. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Someone says, as a father of a 26-year-old who had colic as a baby, my heart goes out to those parents. I would say walk the baby up and down while gently rocking him or her with gentle music that you love on. It worked for us and in no time it'll be a distant memory, but, you know, not when you're in the middle of it. Um, Going for a drive, I found, was actually a good one. 
stick them in the car seat. And it's also a bit soothing for yourself because you feel you're doing something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Gets you out of the house uh, at (laughs) three o'clock in the morning. Uh, My mum and I didn't talk during my teenage years. And to be honest, we never got there in adulthood. Mm. My sister was really open with my mother all throughout her teenage years and 20s. Now I find I'm jealous. But it's strangely hard to build that relationship now. Fair play to that dad for trying to tackle it. Uh, now, which is actually, yeah, an interesting point. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's never yeah. too late. You know, yeah. even in your adult relationship, you can do repair with your relationship with your parent. You yeah. know, you can. It's definitely harder. Yeah. But it is possible. It is never too late. Well, I, I suppose a bit of that is that even though you're adults now, you're still fulfilling the kind of roles you had as kids. Of course kids. you are. My sister's the chatty one. I'm the quiet yeah. one. And why are you talking? You're the quiet one. But if you've never had that connection yeah. of sharing to begin it, it's going to feel like a huge effort. Yeah. But I would start with yourself. Like it might be worth talking to someone yourself and just saying, how do I feel about that? Getting, yeah, working yeah. it through yourself. I recently got a new job, meaning I'm no longer able to work from home, at least for the foreseeable future. My children are really struggling with the new adjustment and I'm not sure how to manage it. I was a stay-at-home mom for years and during COVID when I went back to work, I was able to work from our box bedroom. However, due to financial reasons, I had to move job and while I'm finding my feet, it's taking up a lot of my time. My sons have commented how I'm no longer home in time for dinner, how they miss my cooking and I'm always tired when I get home. The stress of the new job is enough. I don't need the stress of my children hating me on top Mm. of it. How do I reestablish the boundaries of what they should expect from me as a mum in this new life? Oh, gosh. Mm. Look at your family is experiencing a huge transition here and you're all struggling with it. So you start from saying you're struggling, they're struggling. It isn't just about their struggle. You're all struggling with it and you're all allowed to struggle because this is a transitional period. Um, So you need to give this time. And when you say due to financial reasons, I'm hearing stress, I had to move jobs, stress, I'm finding my feet, stress, it's taking Mm -hmm. up a lot of my time, stress. Yeah. Okay, so there's multiple stress triggers right there that's going on for you. And we all have a, a bandwidth, like that we have a limited capacity for how much we can take on. So if if you were coping better with all of that... Your son's demands would not be as stressful for you. It's that it's another demand on your very limited time Mm. while you're going through this transition yourself. You don't say how old they are, but I'm doing a a little bit of maths, not my strongest point. But (laughs) (laughs) ballpark, I'm thinking seven to nine years old because you were at home. Yeah. Then there was COVID. Then this. So I'm thinking they're around that. That's clever. I I mean, yeah. (laughs) I'm right there, but it's ballpark around that, I think. And when you think developmentally where they're at, they're at that stage of development where they just love to immerse themselves in the injustices of the world as they apply to them, how unfair everything is to them. Mm. Okay, I can't believe you're doing this to us. Mm. You're not here to cook us dinner. You're coming home grumpy. We don't have you at our beck and call when we want you. And that's I mean, I'm saying it like that, but to them, they're like, yes, 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 all of that. So developmentally, you're battling against that as well. Now, you don't mention other supports that you have or they have, such mm. as childcare, after school support, well, a somebody's co-parent. Given, somebody's given them dinner, so I assume. Totally, yeah. a co-parent role or other family, but mm. whoever else is in this with you, 
activate that a little bit more yeah, because it yeah. just feels like a lot is falling on to you here. And it might be time because, again, I'm assuming they're in that age group where you have a family meeting and you acknowledge the change. You share it's hard for you. Start with you. It's really hard for you. You're, you're make, it's going to get easier. It's going to take time, but it's hard right now. Ask them to share their, their experience and you do that with acceptance and empathy. Don't be telling them how wrong they are to yeah. feel the way they are. But you, everyone gets to offload that and then make a family schedule or charter. You know, everyone takes on a few more roles and responsibilities, little chores, little bits. You make them active agents in this. So they're not passively going, well, where are you and what's this and what's happening? But you say there is a change and we're all going to change within that. And then make a plan to review as a monthly family meeting, you gather and you sit like a little board table at home and you just do that. Kids love that. They love to be part of what's going on. They get to air their grievances, but they also get to say, well, that's my role. That's your role. I think that would be very helpful because when you say they miss your cooking, I'm going to think they miss the familiarity ah, of having yeah, you there. It's yeah, not, a, course, well, yeah. I'm not saying you're a bad cook, but it's yeah. not just about the food. Mm. It's what it represented to them. And this is a period of adjustment. I, I also think, you know, Gently tone as everything with this bit. Explain how your job and all that you do at work, make sure that they have the things they need and it even enables them to have some of the things they want, you know, mm. so that yes. not you're going, yeah. well, I'm doing this for you to put a roof over your head because they don't care. They yeah. take all of that for granted. That's the way they are as children. But if you're explaining that a little bit, it just sounds like a little bit more structure around this would help you all. Like this is a stressful period. You're feeling stressed within it. It will pass, but you need structure. It's not going to pass on its own. You yeah. just need to structure it a bit. Go easy on yourself. My son is a very fussy eater. For the last year or so, we have let him away with it and I've tried just to get him uh, eating rather than forcing certain foods in him. However, and I want uh, to work uh, to start reintroducing some healthier foods back into my son's diet. Every time I suggest something like this, he gets upset. Are there creative ways or gateway foods <laughs> that I could use to get my son eating better? At the moment, he will only eat bland foods like potato, waffles, rice and dry pasta. If I add anything into the mix, he will not eat it. <laughs> I'm sorry foods. for laughing, but this is like every child in the world. It really or, is. Yeah. And I'm sitting here as a recovered, fussy eating <laughs> child myself. So I know from both your perspectives how this is. And I often think our fussy eating children are not trying to be difficult. Mm. They're telling us I have a difficulty with food. Yeah. And my difficulty probably falls into some sensory category. It's either the smell, the taste or the texture of the food that gives me the ick. And is I it, cannot uh, yeah. eat it. Is it also, because I've won as well, it's like the very idea of it yep. makes them recoil. I cannot sit at a table with a bowl of porridge to this yeah. day. Can't do yeah. it. The texture of it in a bowl absolutely gives me the ick and I'm like everything in my whole body is like, ugh, no. Mm. So we all have, and everyone has something. You have yes, something. Yeah. But imagine if it's not something and it's many things and how difficult that is. I'm going to say to you, now I'm not sure how old this child is, but regardless of how old they are, I would suggest not placing a high emotional charge on food. Mm -hmm. I would avoid making food a battleground because it is a losing place for you and it's not what food is supposed to be. Um, 
I do think get curious about what aspect of food he's fussy about and try, because if you know it's texture, then you adapt and you go yes, with yeah. a variety of textures that are possible. Sarah Kyo is a paediatric dietitian. She has a website, eatwell.ie. I know Sarah from a number of events and she's a registered dietitian. I think that's really important in this field, but it's well worth connecting with her online in some capacity. But at an event of his at, she mentioned this thing. It always stuck in my head, a teaspoon test. And yeah. that every day you would put a teaspoon, no more, of something new. Don't put it on the plate touching anything else. You know, everything else mm. is what he eats. And it's an invitation. Don't force it. Certainly don't force the spoon in his mouth or anything. Everyone gets it, not just him. You pick up, you try the teaspoon. Mm, not so much. Or yes, I like it. And you move on. There's no reward or consequence associated with it. But you're simply making a daily invitation to try something new. And she also said, you know, it takes between 10 and 16 attempts to get something you currently don't like to be accepted, for your taste buds to adjust enough to accept it. Um, So it's not about giving him one thing and going, well, he doesn't like that and he doesn't like that. Mm. You actually have to keep trying and keep trying with him. As children get older, they tend to become your partner in this to some extent where they also want to get over some of this and they might work a bit with you. There's always the hiding vegetables in pasta sauces. Yes, of course. But it's not even sounding like you're at that. There's a pyramid system where if your child eats chips, try to branch it out to a roast potato, try to branch it out from there to a mash, you know, and you take the potato is the common thing Mm. and you try it in different guises. If he eats potato waffles, would he eat sweet potato waffles? Would he then eat sliced up roasted sweet potato? Mm. Would he, can you then introduce a sweet potato? You know, so trying to start with what he likes and gradually say, well, what's closest to that? What's closest to that? And branch it out that way is a good attempt. If he's underweight or if you're worried about him in any sense physically, please link in with your doctor and or a dietitian, registered paediatric dietitian. It's, it's, I, I, but I still think it's fascinating and I haven't been able to see, no one's able to give me a reason for this, but what she, uh, potato waffles, rice, pasta. White foods, beige yeah, foods. White beige foods. And yeah. that, like, this is, you know, this is not a singular case. This is all kids tend to They're eat these things. They're very safe. It's so interesting. Do you know why? They always taste the same. Yeah. There's and no you know variance with them. Yeah. So if I'm a fussy eater and food causes me anxiety, a potato waffle is always a potato waffle. It will always look the same. It will always taste the same. And I don't need to worry about it. I, it, for me, I think it makes sense that kids go for the plain pastas, the the beige foods. They're very predictable foods. Yeah, right. Uh, but if there's any kids listening, Joanna isn't saying that's no, what you should vegetables. do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joanna, thanks Thank a million you. as ever. Joanna Fortune, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.